Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable competitive future in Cork business. Hi there, and thanks very much for joining us on this episode. Will there be a chamber dinner this year? We're going to ask Connor Healy if the biggest event in the business calendar is going ahead in 2022, and why all of those cork cows, soon to be out chewing away in the fields in the spring, are a vital part of our economy. But first up, On this episode, many businesses in Cork had to pivot online because of the pandemic, but it was a major incident of a different kind that prompted our next guest to shift into e-commerce nearly four years ago. He hasn't looked back since, and he's here now to tell us all about his journey. Executive Director at Regatta Ireland, Brian Fox, how are you? I'm excellent, Jonathan. Thank you very much. Good to meet with you. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. You've kept me dry on more than one occasion, Brian. I don't mind telling you that. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. To be fair, it's nice to hear stories from consumers and customers who've been in the shops. Uh, and you know what we get it we get a lot of repeat business which is indicative of our of our uh, of our product offering always nice to hear uh, tell us a little bit about where you are right now we'll go to the history of the business in a minute but you've got bricks and mortar stores still don't you oh we do indeed yeah that's uh we make wholesale was is our is our starting point to be fair we wholesale product to existing sports stores outdoor stores and department stores but yeah we started our own retail uh venture a few years ago i think about 2011 and um, yeah, we've got 27 branches now around the country, uh, all doing very nice business, which is wonderful. I think we add uh, an extra dimension to different communities around Ireland. And we have plans to roll out, you know, perhaps four more this year. So we take three, four per year where we find good sites and we can do, you know, deals with landlords, etc. So, yeah, we're very happy with our current uh, uh, footprint in Ireland. Yeah, and, and th- that's one thing. But, of course, bricks and mortar is no longer the only way you can sell. What happened to you that convinced you you needed to move online and you needed to move online in a big way? Yeah, it, it, it was a very simple uh, incident, actually. It was uh, during the Beast in the East. Um, I had a couple of people over from uh, the UK. Uh, we had a meeting on, we'd say, I think it was on the Wednesday. And uh, Wednesday night, the snow came down, the country shut down, and my two lovely ladies were stuck in the uh, in a hotel in Balancholic. And when I say stuck, they couldn't get out of the hotel. They couldn't fly out. Their flights were cancelled. So myself and my wife had wanted to go up and meet with them, make sure they were okay, that they were comfortable, put on our ski gear. And we walked up the Model Farm Road through Balancholic. And it was the most surreal experience. There wasn't a car on the road. People were building snowmen on the footpaths and in their gardens and in the middle of the street. And as I was walking up, it dawned on me. All my stores were closed. I'm paying, you know, wages. I'm paying rent, rates, service charges. And I wasn't generating any turnover. So as a direct result, I was losing money. I didn't have an online platform. So I couldn't, I couldn't generate any. So that was it. So it was a eureka moment. I said, that's it. I'm never going to be in this situation again. Um, I went down the route then of uh, literally the next day uh, investigating the uh, the costs and the uh, and the, the, the pitfalls and the benefits of building an online platform. And the first one we built was regatta.ie. And uh, we subsequently have added on uh, craghoppers.ie and dare2be.ie because we have the three brands and we haven't looked back since. So when we've spoken a lot on this podcast with businesses that, that had to pivot quick um, and all of a sudden had to develop an online strategy. Lots of businesses have started purely from an online perspective. But from that perspective then, were you ready to go when COVID hit? You weren't expecting COVID yeah. no more than anyone else, but you were I well positioned. Correct and right. That's a very... Stu- no, I, my, my, my plan originally was to complement 
um, the, 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 the bricks and mortar uh, estate and duplicate my time so that when the shops were closed and I, I'm at home at nine o'clock not working, uh, uh, watching the news, that I was generating revenue because there are other people then online looking for product. And then whilst we didn't expect COVID, um, the upside was the stores were closed again due to government guidelines and rightly so. And um, staff were, you know, on PUP, etc. And we didn't want to let anybody go. So our consumers migrated online in their droves. Yeah. So, um, you know, without giving specific numbers, but I would have hit, I would have, I would have equated the same level of turnover that I was doing in my stores to online. Yeah, which so was you didn't lose incredible. out at all. Yeah, and because people, people, people had no choice, did it put, give you a logistical nightmare on the other side then? Because you had to get the stock it out. Did, it, did. it did. It did. Um, I mean, I was trying to pull stock from the stores. I had store managers in and and supervisors, and some of the some of the teams were so obliging and helped me out by coming in and picking and packing orders. But yes, it was a it was a logistical nightmare. Um, but you know, it was it was a great problem to have. Um, so, you know, what's, what's evolved from that is I now need to invest and intend investing on um, my own uh, Irish-based DC that will do my wholesale fulfillment, my retail replens, and uh, my online fulfillment. Yeah. So in other words, you, you sound like a fellow who's in expansion mode and, and you, you see uh, very bright lights on the runway ahead of you. I do indeed. I have to admit, by nature, I'm optimistic anyway. And um, and by virtue of the fact that I've got so many years experience in in experimenting in different channels and routes to market, I know what works. I know what doesn't work. I'm very aware of my consumer demographic for the three brands that I have. And it gives me confidence to build more routes to market, become more omni-channel uh, or multi-channel, excuse me. And uh, I think if I use the the euphemism or the eulogy or the euphemism of, of having um, you know you you want to buy a, a point of guinness or a mars bar in any town or village in ireland there are probably 10 12 different points of sale where you can access that product i want to be the same i want to have p i want i want my consumers to be able to walk into a shop down the street in any town or village in the country or city and be able to access the product and i think for me you know once my consumers have confidence in the brand They'll buy it online, knowing there's a store down the street, and knowing in the next few months that I, all going well, will have my own DC, and I'll be looking at next day delivery, and in some cases, same day's delivery, and I'll be in control of that supply chain from uh, 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 from my own DC to the yeah. consumer, and I'll also be able to all going well because of the you know the more global supply chain chain issues, be able to you know plan and and plot the critical path to get stock from manufacturer to the manufacturers to the warehouse yeah. to my consumers. Now, you see, I, I, I have a problem for you. I, I hate to identify problems to a fellow who's in full flow, but yeah. you, you also told me you're, you're hoping to open more stores this year. Are, yeah. are, you, are you still putting a bit of faith in the bricks and mortar, even though you know online uh, is more robust, resilient and being used by the consumer you're trying to get to? You know what? It's a, it's a brilliant predicament and it, we could sit and argue or debate it all day long, but I still think... Um, I still think we, as, as Irish people, we like we like we like to meet people. We we like to go shopping. You go into any shopping centre and there's people in there. They may be wandering around because it's an experience in shopping centres now. You go in, you do your shopping, you have your coffee. In some places, you might even go to the cinema. Later on, you might have a bite to eat. It's an experience, and we like to be out and about. And and on the back of being locked down, I suppose uh, to to 
uh, lesser extent and more recently with COVID, people are getting out and about and they want to go into the shops. And I'm convinced, I am convinced, and I'll put my money where my mouth is, I'm going to continue expanding the bricks and mortar, supported by online, and then bring that right back to my own uh, distribution network. And I think... I think it's a great proposition. I'm confident to invest. Um, there's brilliant business courses in college, right? But I don't think any of them could have produced the head that has been verbalising your business journey for the last while. What is your background? How did you end up in clothing retail, number one, and second of all, being able to pivot so quickly? Um, I suppose it comes, it comes back. My dad was a, 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 a retailer, electrical retailer in Cork. Um, the same gentleman who I just met 10 minutes ago, 84 years of age now, was he was a terrific retailer, a terrific salesman, and uh, had a great work ethic to the extent that uh, when I was a kid, just wasn't even a teenager, he, he used to drag us out of bed on a Saturday morning, and uh, we'd go into work with him, and we'd be, you know, myself and my two brothers, we'd, you know, stocking the, the, the you know, moving TVs around. It was electrical business, moving around TVs and fridge freezers, etc. And then ultimate, then when we got a, our, our license, our, our, we were able to drive, we were doing deliveries. So you were a, it was a one-to-one experience with a family who had who were buying a TV on higher purchase, if you, were, if you remember that, years back. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the never-never. Yeah, the other never, never. And you had to be very courteous, very respectful, because it was a big investment. It was a family event. And that, you know what? All that kind of grounding kind of stuck with me. And, and um, his, his, customer, his mantra was, listen, if you look after him today, and when that TV needs to, needs to be updated or there's an issue with it, they'll be happy to pick the phone up and phone us and say, listen, can you come out and help us out? And if we can keep replicating that time after time after time, his customer base was fixed practically, but they kept coming back. Whereas when we're in regatta, what I'm doing is I'm taking that, multiplying it, giving a good customer experience as best as we can. I appreciate we're not 100% amazing. I'd love we are, but nobody is. Um, but I think that's where it comes from. It was just a good work ethic, you know, half a brain cell, and you can follow a PNL and build a PNL. Do do deals with landlords and with agents, and again, it's all about a bit of courtesy, yeah. a bit of respect. And I think you get it back in spades. Yeah, you didn't lick it off a stone, is what you're telling no. me. You, you have to name check your dad now. You've mentioned him. You're going to have to tell us his name. Yeah, Jim Fox. Jim Fox on Model Farm Road. And he had he had a shop, Jim Fox Electrical in Ballancolic. And he had a, a TV shop in Cook Street in Cork. Okay, well, Jim, good man. Uh, uh, you, you, you taught him well and he's gone on to better things. Brian, it, what's the website if people want to have a look at it? Uh, it's regatta.ie, dare to be.ie and Craghoppers. R-A-G-H-O-P-P-E-R-S dot I-E. Uh, Executive Director of Regatta Ireland, Brian Fox, fabulous to talk to you. Thank you so much and continued success, sir. Very much appreciate it. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. God bless. Take care. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. Now, did you know that a quarter of Ireland's dairy cows are right here in Cork. Of course, everyone knows this county is home to some of the biggest players in the dairy industry, arguably the finest food, but drinks businesses are also hugely important to the local and national economies as well. Our next guest knows how important they are. He's really well placed to talk about the realities facing food, beverage and that whole scene in Cork. Paul Kelly, Director of Food Drink Ireland at IBEC. How are you? Hi Jonathan, how are you? I'm very well, good to talk to you. I, I didn't realise it was that many, a quarter of Ireland's dairy cows here. And I'm presuming that means that Cork is a pretty significant player in the sector. It's a massive powerhouse uh, in terms of the dairy industry. We have a big dairy industry 
overall in Ireland, but certainly Cork is very, very much at, at the heart of that and probably the most competitive place to be producing uh, milk. Um, as you said, we've a quarter of the state's dairy cows. So what that means in actual monetary terms is the dairy sector has 3.6 billion euro in economic output. So that's a major contributor to the, the economy in the uh, county. And you're talking about a lot of really well-known both primary dairy and specialised nutrition processors. So like the Dairy Gold, Carberry, Danone, North Cork, they're all operating across the county. So it's not just, you know, concentrated in, in one area, it's right across the county. And between the manufacturing, the people working at farm level, operating the farm, and then a lot of the indirect services which support the dairy industry. You're talking about 10,000 jobs in total across the county. Yeah, and that's just huge when you when you were to think about it that way. I think Apple is 6,500 and we always think of that as the biggest employer, but food and, and beverage, it, it really outshines that. And we're a huge contributor as well to the drink sector. We have a brewery, at least one. We have many small breweries, many, many, and we have the biggest whiskey distillery in the country. Yeah, Irish distillers in, in Middleton, and obviously I think your listeners would be really, really familiar with a lot of their brands, Jameson, Redbreast, Middleton, Very Rare, and, and so on. So they do a huge amount of uh, both production and, and exports globally to right around the world uh, from Middleton. Um, so it's the largest distillery in, in, in Ireland. But then in addition to Irish distillers operating there, we're now starting to see the, the rise of a number of sort of craft producers, sort of like the Clonakilty Distillery, can say spirits company and and so on so i think you're you're seeing the mix from the the large to the small and again spread across the entire county from east to west the lazy economist would always say the arrival of big players our dominant players sees the squeezing out of the smaller in the sector that hasn't been the case i mean if anything having big players in the county has inspired others i know look it was an easy thing to make gin years ago but we're making a lot more whiskey look at the cheeses that we're making look at the other dairy products uh, that are high value uh, small operations but high value it's a real healthy ecosystem right now Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I think whilst dairy and um, whiskey are, are probably the two sort of biggest high profile sectors from from a business perspective, you know, Cork County, uh, not just the city, but the entire county has got a huge reputation both nationally and internationally for its its food culture. And that, that food culture manifests itself you know, from the restaurants through to other aspects of hospitality. But from our own sort of point of view within the, the food industry, there's a huge artisan food base across the county as, as well. And those artisan f- food producers are, are supplying really high quality, unique product, not just to the restaurants, but also to companies uh, around the, the rest of the country. And some of them are actually exporting as well. And I think there, there's also that, you know, sort of tourism infrastructure piece as well that in addition to sort of the, the wonderful sites of the, the, the county. There's a lot of people being attracted to, to Cork, not just for the restaurants, but to actually go and see these uh, arts and food producers as well. Yeah. Uh, businesses have been paralysed by a number of things. Uh, they, they kept producing. It was great. And speaking to any food producer, it's actually been as busy as it's ever been. Uh, they had ups and downs and, and peaks and troughs, but everyone's busy, which is great. COVID was a huge concern. Brexit, exporting to the UK or maybe importing some materials, that was a concern. You know, they, they've they been through a fairly torrid time, but it's probably made these businesses a little more resilient, Paul. 
Yeah, look, I mean, certainly the, the food and drink sector is, is the largest of the indigenous sectors that we have in, in Ireland. And, it, you know, it, it's constantly facing crises. We had sort of the, the big downturn 10 years ago, and that was actually preceded in the food industry by a big dip in the, the value of sterling, which really affected our, our exports. And then more recently, we've had Brexit, which is still working its, its way through the system. COVID, obviously, over the last two years. And the, the entire food chain actually managed to stay producing and putting food on, on the table for consumers right across the county and right across the, the country all through the, the pandemic and, and still continues to do it. So, you know, really, really resilient. But the big issue, I think, for us, um, and certainly we haven't been distracted by either Brexit or, or COVID, is, is sustainability. It's it's the big one in the, in the food industry. It's what consumers are demanding, both at home and, and overseas markets. And that really would be the, the number one priority for the industry at the moment to make sure that the, the production processes and the raw materials sourcing is as sustainable as it can be. Um, yeah, the sustainability thing, it, it's like a, a horse creeping up on the inside rail, isn't it? Uh, that's about to overtake all of the other problems. Are, are businesses taking it seriously enough in food and beverage, Paul? Most of them are taking it really, really seriously. It's probably the, the number one strategic imperative for them. And certainly we'd be saying to any company which which isn't looking at um, sustainability and not just climate change, but wider sustainability, things like the circular economy, the pa- types of sustainable packaging that you're using. If a company isn't doing that, they really, really need to get on the case pretty quickly. You know, we've got a lot of sort of national and European policy and, and legislation in this space, but but ultimately the consumer is really starting to demand this from, from uh, their food producers at the moment. Mm. One of the things that IBEC does, of course, is supporting businesses on that journey um, and, and getting the kind of help that they need and the experience of others to help them make the right decisions. I, the, your your new office in Cork, very shiny and all as it is, probably going to be busier over the course of the next few weeks. You're encouraging food and beverage organisations, particularly the ones who haven't uh, gotten involved yet, to contact you. Absolutely. So look, I mean, as, as trade associations either as the, the specific food and drink sector or more widely as, as IBEC, we do a number of things. One, obviously, is we, we represent business at overall level or, or at sectoral level. So we sort of engage with the, the government and the state agencies and, and, and so on and, and make sure that that industry's voice is, is heard. Uh, secondly, we provide information to members to help them run their business on things like, say, food regulation, wider legislation, sustainability issues and so on. But the third thing that we, we do, both as overall IBEC and as individual business sectors like Food Drink Ireland, is we're networks. And, you know, those networks either operate in, in a physical sense through meetings or more commonly over the last 21 months or thereabouts with the pandemic online and those networks are really good to allow businesses to share information to share best practice and really to to assist them and assist each other in terms of meeting objectives around sustainability or brexit or covid or or whatever the the business issue of the day actually is all right paul kelly director of food and drink ireland at ibec thank you so much for joining us on red business paul thank you jonathan Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. Now, if you are a owner of a business in Cork or you work for some of the biggest businesses in Cork, you need to listen very closely to our next guest, the Cork 
Chamber Cork Company of the Year awards have been launched and you have until Monday the 7th of February to get your application in. It's the 24th year of the awards. They celebrate the best of Cork business whether they're new or emerging or major international companies. It's something that's been my distinct pleasure to be involved with in the awards in previous years. Uh, Fingers crossed this year we might actually have an awards ceremony in person but more on that and on. But first of all CEO of Cork Chamber Connor Healy how are you? Hello, Jonathan. I'm very well, thank you. This is great. First of all, that it's coming back. COVID be damned. You're, you're, you're going ahead with the awards and you need people to put the applications in now. Well, absolutely. And we ran the awards very successfully last year uh, and, and with the awards ceremony held, uh, held online. And uh, we're hoping this year that we may be able to, to do it in person. Uh, but for now, uh, the focus is on uh, launching the awards uh, encouraging everybody to consider uh, applying for those awards. It's really, really important to uh, recognise the success, I suppose, the resilience that there's been over the last number of years, and also the innovation and focus on sustainability that so many businesses have. So, as you say, these awards have been running now they're into their 24th year. We have fantastic awards partners with, with Vodafone uh, Ireland and obviously our media partners, the Irish Examiner as well, are huge support. So, uh, we've just launched the awards. Uh, applications uh, are open, and uh, we're encouraging everybody to have a look at that uh, up to the closing date of the seventh of February. Now, th- th- they are normally held, of course, uh, in conjunction with the big dinner in City Hall. That's been uh, on the back burner because of COVID, but it hasn't dampened the spirit of the companies putting in. In fact, last year, what struck me was it was more competitive than ever, despite the pandemic. Well, we had a fantastic application last year and a really difficult uh, job as a, as a group of judges to uh, to shortlist uh, initially and then to, to select the, the winners. And we had some you know fantastic winners last year in the emerging category, Altada, who went on to have a, a huge year uh, in, the, in the interim. The SME winner last year was Granite. You had Zeit in the large. And the international company winner was Eli Lilly, who also won the, the overall Cork Company of the Year Award. So the entry levels last year, the standard was, was exceptional, and, and we ended up with some fantastic uh, winners. But, you know, it's not all about the winning either, Jonathan. It really is about the participation. And what we find is that businesses that, that enter uh, and that compete, they actually learn an awful lot in terms of their own organisations. Uh, it asks themselves some questions that maybe they need to address in their businesses and the profile that the businesses achieve, receive once they get particularly into the shortlist phase uh, is of huge value to them. So, you know, while ultimately there is a winner uh, of the awards uh, across the various categories, you know, the participation and being involved in the selection process brings huge benefit mm. to those organisations. Yeah, being a judge is a very difficult job uh, and, and you, you have to take on that job every year. Let's try and make it easy for you, Connor. What, what do businesses need to do to make sure that their entry ticks all the boxes? Well, firstly, John, just to remind people in terms of the categories, we have the the emerging category, which is for you know high growth and high potential companies who are less than four years uh, old, uh, pretty much across any any sector. We're really looking to see you know a new innovative uh, business, a new innovative approach, um, and you know businesses that have real potential to to grow into the future. The, the SME category. Um, is for businesses with less than 75 employees. And, you know, that's been a hugely competitive category over the last number of years. And it, it can, uh, it is open to businesses across, be it from startup all the way through to, to well-established. So we've seen, you know, so new businesses all the way through to very long historic businesses in Cork uh, competing in that category as well. And it's all, it is all about 
looking at, particularly in terms of those businesses who have been around for a number of years, you know, the innovation, how they've continued to thrive and what's driven their success. The, the large category is for businesses of lar more than 75 employees. And then we're looking there, particularly in the context of the sustainability of those businesses, the impact they're making on the Cork e economy. And again, there's, there's always really, really great uh, stories uh, coming across in that category. And finally, in the international um, is, is open to businesses who have a particularly international focus. Uh, quite often the FDI sector are, are in the, the final running across that particular category, but not exclusively, or indigenous sector where they have international uh, operations and have strong international markets are, are key uh, contributors to that category as well. And, and there we're looking for businesses who are, you know, particularly focused on the growth of their companies, how they're dealing with the current issues of the day, how they're dealing with sustainability. And then we're looking for businesses that are really supporting their people well, whether it's yeah. in terms of diversity, equality, inclusion, and so on. So we have a wide you know, area of focus across the awards. There's something there for every, every business has an opportunity to identify an area that they can contribute and to enter. And we very much encourage those entries now. So the 7th of February is the closing date and all the details are up in corkchamber.ie. Is that right? Absolutely, courtchamber.ie for any of the details and absolutely anyone to, to make direct contact with the chamber as well if they need any further information. Now, I would love nothing more than to be standing on a stage shushing the good people of Cork as uh, as is my want during the chamber dinner every year. Uh, the question, Connor, and y you don't have an answer to this yet, is will there be an in-person event this year? Well, we very much hope so, uh, Jonathan. Obviously, things are uh, moving in the right uh, direction as I speak to you today, and 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 we're we're awaiting some government announcements. So, look, the hope is that uh, we'll see significant improvement over the next uh, number of weeks, which will give everybody an opportunity to to get back out, to start engaging on an in-person basis. And and for us, our hope would be very much that we can run an in-person uh, chamber annual dinner this oh, year. Wouldn't it be great? Absolutely brilliant to be back in that room again. Connor Healy, Chief Executive of Cork Chamber. Best of luck to everyone who's entering. Thanks for talking to us, Connor. Thank you very much, Jonathan. And that's it from this episode of Red Business. Thanks so much for listening. Kira McDonough was the producer. Don't forget, we've got a brand new video series that's running on redfm.ie, Red Business in Focus. The latest interview is a fascinating one with Marie Toft, who tells us about her new business. But that's it from the podcast for now. We'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business.